the Christmas story. And so we're going to conclude that series, or conclude that series tomorrow morning uh, by looking at the, at the Christmas story according uh, to John. Uh, but this evening what I want us to do is we're going to back up a couple weeks and we're going to go back to a, a passage we read. It was one that's very familiar to, to Christians around the world, especially at this time of the year. And that's part of the Christmas story that we find uh, according to Luke. And we find that in chapter 2, verses 8 through 21. Uh, so as we prepare to read that and look at it together, let me pray for our time here. Oh Lord, we pray now that you would open our hearts and open our minds and we may both hear and believe that we may receive and rest upon Christ as he's offered to us in this part of your holy word. We ask this in the name of the one who is the incarnate God, Jesus Christ. Amen. Luke 2, we'll begin in verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem, and let us see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph, and the the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. This service, the Christmas Eve candlelight service, is, is one of my favorite services of, of all year. Uh, wonderful time, wonderful occasion for us uh, to gather together uh, to prepare ourselves for the celebration of, of Christmas, especially more so this year since our church has heat in it and we can gather together and get some heat off of each other. I trust and pray that each of us are here this cold evening for the right reason, not just because it's tradition, not because it's just something we check off on our, our list of things we do at Christmas. You know, go, go to the Biltmore, go to the zoo, go to Saluda Shoals and make sure we go to church on, on Christmas Eve. I trust and pray that we've all made our way here this evening because of the wonderful truth of the Christmas story. Now we're here because born this Christmas day in the city of David is a savior. Savior who is Christ the Lord. As we mentioned earlier, as we've seen over this Advent season, each of the four Gospels touch on this story and the truth in, in one way or another. Matthew and Luke are very explicit in their, in their stories of, of telling about, going through genealogy, going through the details of what happened for Mary and Joseph and then baby Jesus. 
We look at the Gospel of Mark where it's a little, his is more implicit, but the truth of it's still there. And then tomorrow morning we'll look at how John handles it in his very unique way. But it's not surprising that each of the four authors of the Gospels, inspired by the Holy Spirit, would talk about the Christmas story, that they would spend some time talking about the story and the truth of the birth of Jesus Christ. Because what a story and what a truth it is. Even within the story, even within the truth of it, we see that angels had to come to Joseph and Mary to, to prepare them for it. And angels come out to shepherds to pronounce it to them. The Magi follow the star to, to behold the truth of Christmas. And it's something we still enjoy to this day. As Christians, we love to hear the Christmas story. We love to sing the Christmas story. I imagine most of us have at least one favorite Christmas carol or hymn because of how that song communicates to you through its lyric and through its melodies the wonderful truth of Christmas. For me, it's O Holy Night. It's my favorite Christmas carol of all times. And so one of the highlights of, of this service every year is for me to sit here and hear Lynn so beautifully sing it. And I'm tempted to sing along with it and I realize, well, I will ruin it, so let me shut up and let her do it so much better than I would. The story, the truth of, of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, is a wonderful story. It's a wonderful truth. But when we look at Scripture, when we, when we think about it, we realize that this truth, this story, demands a reaction from us. We can't be ambivalent about it. We can't categorize it and have it away from us. Away from us. If we are Christians, this story demands a reaction from us. And so the, the question then for us is, what sort of reaction do we have to the Christmas story? Is Christmas just a, a Hallmark movie-esque, warm and fuzzy, sentimental time, a time for us to, to, time for us to, to feel good about ourselves, to, to escape from the worries of the world and just you know, soak in uh, all this sort of sentimentality and just feel good about ourselves? Or do we fall on the other end? We just have a you know, ball humbug, Grinch reaction to all the commercialism that now surrounds the season. Has Christmas just become a time of stress? We've got all these things to get done in order to have a good Christmas season. What sort of reaction does Christmas elicit from you? How are you emotionally preparing yourself for tomorrow? So we see in the biblical story... Each of the participants had a reaction to the story and truth of Christmas. Joseph and Mary obeyed God, even when it was so terribly hard and scandalous. The shepherds, who were the lowest of the low, went to tell others about this birth. The Magi traveled a great distance to come and worship this one who has been born. Herod had children killed. Because of the Christmas story. So each of the participants in the Bible, when it comes to Christmas, has a reaction. We have a reaction too. The question is, what sort of reaction do we have to it? And I believe when we look into the stories of Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and the Magi, we find their reactions are born from humility. Now, Herod's is the opposite of humility. But we look at Joseph and Mary, we look at the shepherds, we look at the, the Magi, their reactions are born from humility. Joseph and Mary humbly obeyed the Lord. 
even when it was so hard for them. The shepherds, again, who were some of the least of least in that culture, humbly told others of what had happened to them. They, were, they didn't make it about themselves. They were telling others the great truth of the Incarnation. The Magi humbled themselves by traveling a long distance to, to come before the divine wisdom of the Incarnate God. When each of these people were confronted with the truth and the wonder of the Incarnation, they were humbled by it. All their reactions are centered upon humility. Now in the city of Bethlehem, there's a church named the Church of the Nativity. And it's built over the site where tradition holds was the place of the manger where Jesus was born. We don't know for sure exactly if it was there, but tradition holds this is where the manger was, and so they built the church of the Nativity over it. And to get to the church, you don't enter through big double doors like we have here at our church. There's a door, and it's set low. And so if you want to enter into the place that represents the birth of Jesus Christ, there's only one way to get in. You have to stoop, bow down, and kneel. Very appropriate, isn't it? To come into a place that represents the birth of Jesus Christ, to represent the incarnation. You don't come in with your chest puffed out and walking big and tall. You stoop, you bend over, you kneel. And so when we sort through all the emotions and our thoughts that this, that this time and season can, can evoke, what we as Christians should always land on is just that. To stoop, bow down and kneel. To be humble. Like Joseph and Mary. Like the shepherds. Like the magi. Because what is Christmas all about? That God himself came into this world. Born to a lowly carpenter and his bride. That God himself came into this world. Born in a manger. That God himself came into this world in order to save unworthy sinners like you and me. And that's a humbling truth, isn't it? The Christmas story is a humbling story and it's a humbling truth. It humbles us because it shows us the depth of God's love for us and who we truly are. Many of us are, one of our first Bible verses we memorize is John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. And we've, we've said it so much, we, 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 we've, we've heard it so much, that it can become kind of numbing. But what does the Christmas story remind us? That God so loved you, and that he so loved me, that the second person of Trinity came for you. Not coming in on a, on a great white horse with all this acclaim. He was born in a backwoods town in a manger. No room for them in the inn, born amongst animals in a lowly manner. Not in a palace, not in a gold crib, not with a pacifier with diamonds on it, not with servants all around. He was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And as Paul said to the Galatian church, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. Why would he do that? Why would he humble himself? Why would he stoop so low? Because of how much he loves you and me. The Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, the one through whom and for whom all things were created, came down from heaven to be born in a lowly manner 
because of how much He loves you. And that's a humbling love. And the only way we can react to this sort of humbling love is we spiritually and through faith we stoop, we bow down, and we kneel. We're told that at the second coming of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. We don't need to wait till the second coming to do that. We do that now because of the humbling love of Jesus Christ. But it also humbles us in who we are. Why did God have to be born in such a way? Because we are sinners who sin. Quote Paul again, each of us are the chief of sinners. We may think we're somebody. We may have X amount of education. We may have a, a name that goes so far back in Winsboro. We may have such and such a house or such and such, such, such a thing. We may think we're something. But we're the chief of sinners. We're all very good at sinning. We're all very good at rebelling against law, against God and his perfect law. We've almost perfected refusing to walk in the way he's prepared for us. We're good at proclaiming like we're, we're, we're good at proclaiming we're Christians, but sometimes we're even better at living like we're going to hell. And these sins and our sins are such an affront to the holy God that the only way we can be forgiven of them is through the perfect life, the perfect birth, life, obedience, and death of the Son, Jesus Christ. And that's the truth that should humble each of us. To know that my sins are so bad that the only sufficient price we pay for them are through the perfect birth, life, obedience, and death of the Son, Jesus Christ. Your sins are so bad that the only sufficient price to be paid for them through the perfect birth, life, obedience, and death of the Son, Jesus Christ. Our sins are so bad. Only sufficient price is through all of the Son, Jesus Christ. And if that doesn't humble you, it may be because you have not bowed down, kneeled, and stooped to the Savior. That you're standing proud in your sins instead of bowing down before the humbling love of the God who would so love you that he would save you. For us to know that love, to know that forgiveness, to know who we are in light of the Holy God humbles us to stoop and bow down and kneel before the one who would be willing to love someone like me to forgive me and how is my sins that held him on the cross. This evening, we don't have the privilege of entering into the church of the nativity. We had the privilege of coming before God and his word and before the table and to be encouraged that because of the wonderful truth of Christmas, we stoop and bow down and kneel before him. It's interesting when you read through the story we read through tonight in the passage, when angels come to, to the shepherds, they, they say, let's make haste, let's go to Bethlehem. Why? Why, why, why do they run? Because they're, 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 they're fan of babies? And they want to hold a newborn and ooh and coo over them, over him? Or do they want to tell others about their angelic encounter? Y'all aren't going to believe this. 
We had angels appear to us. No, why did it go? It says that we can make known what was said to us. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So in the Christian world, it's become popular that you get a, you know, some sort of Christian symbol tattooed on you somewhere, fish across, or maybe, maybe your favorite Bible verse. Shepherds that need tattoos. What happened at night was tattooed on their brain. And what's interesting is Luke wrote this, and Luke wasn't there. So who told them what the angel said? It was the shepherds who could tell him verbatim, Luke, this is what they said to us. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then the multitude of angels came and they said to us, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Why did they make haste to see the Savior? So they could stoop, bow down, and kneel before the one who so loved them. And the angels come to tell them, born in Bethlehem to a lowly couple in a lowly manger is your Savior. And so what we see in the Christmas story is an invitation for us to have the same reaction. To know that God so loved you that he sent, his, that he sent the Son to be your Savior. To know that you are indeed a great sinner, but born this day is a great Savior. In 1859, Christmas fell on a Sunday. Charles Spurgeon, the great Reformed Baptist, stepped into the pulpit and preached the Christmas sermon. And this is one of the things he said in the sermon. For this child is not born to you unless you are born to this child. All who have an interest in Christ are in the fullness of time by grace converted, quickened, and renewed. All the redeemed are not yet converted, but they will be. That's the posture of humility that is proper for this occasion. To stoop, kneel, and bow down to the one who so loved you. That he was born in a manger, born to save you from your sins. In his humility, we live for Christ. In his humility, we pray for others to know this Christ. So as we prepare, spend this evening preparing for tomorrow. As we get ready to come together here at the Lord's table, may we come with hearts and minds that have stooped, bent, and kneeled to Jesus in faith and to the wondrous truth of his incarnation. Pray with me.